Welcome everyone to Dead Talk Live. I'm your host Viz. I want to welcome all of our viewers tonight from around the world. If you are joining us for the first time and want more information about our show, please visit us on the web at deadtalklive.com. If you haven't done so yet, please also visit our YouTube channel, which is called Dead Talk Live. Go ahead and subscribe, and if you're there right now, please feel free to hit the thumbs up button on this broadcast. So let me go ahead and welcome some of our viewers tonight. Let's see, we have uh, Leslie, Leslie with us, we have Maria Adam on Instagram, Marie of course is moderating, Thomas has given us a big thumbs up. On the YouTube, Facebook, Twitter side, we have regulars Khaleesi, Singer Chick is with us, welcome to you guys. Let's see, we also have uh, CC Wheezy, Philip Thomas on Facebook. I hope everyone's enjoying their evening. And I got to make a correction from last night. Last night, I said that Charlie from Fear the Walking Dead debuted in season three. I was completely wrong. And you know what screwed me up? Uh, first of all, she debuted in season four, episode two. And what screws up with the memory when it comes to that uh, opening part of season four is a large part of the first half of Fear the Walking Dead season four is flashbacks, where we get all the way to the mid-season finale and we get to find out uh, what happened to Madison, to where she supposedly died in that stadium burning. So Charlie, played by Alexa Nieslinson, debuted in season four, episode two. Still, uh, according to my calculations, unless I'm missing someone, she is still like the fourth most senior member of the cast to date. And she is going to be our guest this coming Monday night right here on Dead Talk Live. So you guys want to make sure to tune in for that one. Uh, Singer Chick writes, yep, I thought about that too later, but still wasn't sure if it was early season four or late three. And for me personally, uh, I thought it was season three because season four, like I said, the first half of it was a large part flashbacks to them being in the stadium, those uh, scavengers coming and just camping out in front of the stadium with the idea that everything is going to fall. They didn't do anything. Charlie infiltrated them. She was working as part of their group. They were taking care of her. Uh, they sent her in to infiltrate Madison. Nick grew very fond of her. And we all know how, you know, Charlie ends up killing Nick in the uh, first half of season four. Uh, that was the start of her arc on the show to where she is now. But for me personally, that's what screwed me up, is the whole flashback sequence that lasted throughout the majority of the first half of season four on Fear the Walking Dead. So I wanted to clarify that. I wanted you guys to have the right information before we go into our interview with Alexa on Monday night. So moving on. We got another great video submission. I posted it uh, a mere three hours ago throughout our social media. It is by one of our digital contributors, Dice Patera. It is a Rick Grimes and Negan tribute. She does great work as always. This one is called Boom Boom. And it's a great Rick and Negan tribute. So without delay, guys, let's check it out. 
I was thinking, how many of you do I have to kill to save your life? back to this world. I'll show you how. Why don't you just let me save you, Rick? I'm good at it. Is that how you save people? It's over. It's not over until we're all dead. It's about killing every last one. Who's left? You are. guys have it the rick and negan tribute you know watching that how many of you guys thought that negan all the way to the end when rick slashed his throat negan respected rick uh not saying liked him but respected him i think he did i think he respected him he started to hate him when he imprisoned him afterwards and he was all cocky and saying i'm gonna get back at you you're rebuilding the world for me but uh, you know what there was a respect there now, uh, did Rick respect Negan? No, 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 absolutely not. He saw him as a cold-blooded monster, and the only reason that he kept him alive was to fulfill his dead son's wishes and, you know, to keep him alive. If it wasn't for those Carl letters, Negan would have been left to die. He would have been left for dead right there in that field uh, because, but because of uh, Carl's letters... We still have Negan today, and we love the Negan that we have today. How can you not love the Negan that we have today on The Walking Dead? He's awesome. 
Uh, Singercheck writes, I was pissed he didn't kill him. I may have been madder than Maggie. <laughs> yeah, we were all upset. We were all upset, but we knew how the story was, and Negan was going to become a big, big character uh, moving on with the story. So, anyway, I, have a, I saw a movie last night that I want to recommend to you guys. It's a great movie. It's available on Hulu for streaming. Uh, I like to finish my day up especially recently, by chilling, maybe watching movies. I don't watch, you know, I do watch the big, you know, promoted box office, big budget films, but I like to, you know, really, you know, scroll through and find some of the lesser known movies because that's when you find some really great gems. I found a great movie yesterday. It's called Welcome to Mercy. Like I said, it's available on Hulu for streaming it is a horror movie and it's a different spin on demonic possession horror movies to where you get to see the possession from the inside of what's going on uh inside the person's body in the battle for their soul so if you guys are into the paranormal horror movies which i love personally and you want to you know check out a good one and if you're a subscriber to hulu Check it out. It's called Welcome to Mercy. Uh, I definitely recommend it. Uh, so anyway, let's move on to some news. And the first thing on the agenda is today is how Madison can return in season six of Fear the Walking Dead. Now, they're really starting to beat a dead horse with, uh, with uh, this topic. But let's go ahead and see what, this, what they say. Uh, theories about Madison returning to fear in season six are continuing to persist, but there's a question about how the AMC series could actually make it happen. During a flashback sequence in Fear of the Walking Dead season four, the mid-season finale, Madison seemingly died in a fire while trapped in a stadium with a zombie horde. Madison willingly sacrificed herself so that her children and the other members of her group can get away safely. And, you, you know, full disclosure here, for those of you who have seen it, we, uh, the last image we got to see of Madison, she was not on fire. She was not about to be eaten by walkers. We just see her standing there as the stadium around her is burning down. And her group on the outside of the stadium driving away. That's the last time we saw her. So it is very, very possible that she is still alive. Now, will they bring her back? I don't know. Madison's death was not shown on screen, but it was confirmed by showrunners Andrew Shambliss and Ian Goldberg at the time. However, Fear the Walking Dead has curiously changed its position on that in recent months when morgan was rescued by a mysterious character the two biggest theories was that his savior was either madison or sherry i really thought it was sherry but that has been debunked sherry did not patch morgan up after virginia shot him at this point the only one that's still a possibility is madison as far as members of the cast that we already know, or it could be a completely new character that they bring in, which is still, again, that is also very, very possible. 
The showrunners have declined opportunities to debunk this theory and are no longer to willingly say definitively that Madison's story is over. This has naturally fueled speculation that she could be coming back. And, you know, I've talked to some members of the uh, Fear of the Walking Dead behind the scenes people, and I told them, you know, if you guys did bring Kim Dickens back, it would be one of the biggest uh, surprises since we saw Morgan show up again uh, on The Walking Dead. They kept that very hush-hush, and it surprised the hell out of all of us watching it. Uh, Walking Dead Chief Content Officer Scott Gimple has also said that Madison appearing again is quote-unquote entirely possible. In the Fear of the Walking Dead Season uh, 6 midseason pseudo-finale, discussions about Madison started again when Alicia talked about going back to the stadium where her mother presumably met her end. And I touched on this before. It does seem odd. The last time Alicia saw that stadium, it was being burnt to the ground. Why would she take herself and Charlie to a place that she knows does not exist anymore? That is kind of peculiar. That's odd. Many have questioned whether or not a a Madison return on Fear of the Walking Dead would work, given the circumstances of her death surrounded by walls of both fire and zombies closing in on her. Madison was left with no clear path to survival. However, getting out of the stadium may not have been impossible. It could be at the very last minute, Madison suddenly started looking for a way out and managed to climb over one of the walls. And I don't know, as I was reading that, I don't know how many of you guys have seen Halloween 2018, at the end of that movie, Michael Myers is locked in a basement, trapped, with seemingly no way out, and the house is on fire. Now, we know there's two more sequels coming out, so we know he made it out alive, but of course, that's Michael Myers. He's the boogeyman. <laughs> Nothing can kill Michael Myers. The problem, though, is that regardless of the scenario that's used to show how she survived, It won't explain why she hasn't reappeared. More than a year has passed, and if Madison is still alive, there has to be a reason why no one has crossed paths with her. Maybe they have. Maybe Virginia has. Of course, finding anyone in a post-apocalyptic world can't be easy, but because of Al's tapes, it seems reasonable that Madison should have been able to catch up with Morgan's group in either season four or season five. As for why she didn't, it's possible that for a length of time, Madison was unable to look for Alicia, Nick, Strand, and Luciana. It could be that she was captured by the CRM organization or some other group. Now, they are, you know, completely theorizing at that point. These writers can come up with a whole bunch of story good stories as to why Madison has not reached out to her friends and family, Alicia and all the other people that she knows. And you guys got to remember, she's never met Morgan face to face. She might have seen what he's about through those tapes, but, you know, they could come up with all sorts of creative ways 
to explain why she has been keeping her distance. And more than likely, it is going to be, if she is back, if she is coming back, it's going to be in a form of her thinking that it was for the best in order to keep all of them safe because she's probably gotten herself involved in something that's way too dangerous to bring her friends and family into. At some point during Fear of the Walking Dead Season 5, she could have escaped from ca captivity and is now looking to reunite with her family. She could have been on their trail during the events of the Season 5 finale. That would make sense, especially if she was the one that saved Morgan. She could have been on her way when Virginia uh, split everyone up. If Madison is out there somewhere, she could emerge amidst the struggle between Morgan's group and the pioneers. Alternatively, Fear the Walking Dead could save her return for a shocking reveal in the season six finale, and that would help set up season seven. So... A lot of possibilities there. You know, normally I would be the first one to say if I really think, that, you know, the possibility of something happening, the chances are very slim. But, you know, you take all the little clues, the whole clue with Alicia wanting to go back to that stadium, which makes absolutely no sense. Now the showrunner is not willing, you know, not coming forth to uh, debunk the rumors of Kim Dickens' return, it's possible. It's possible. And if she does come back, wow. Can you imagine Madison and Morgan? Two badass people right there. Who would be the leader? I mean, would Morgan step back and allow Madison to take over leadership of the group? This is, let's say, after the whole Virginia and the Pioneer storyline is over with maybe at the end of this season. Uh, uh, Squawking Dead writes Alicia. Alicia is the leader. She is definitely capable of being the leader. But, you know, Morgan and, um, and Madison, if she is back, those are two alphas. Uh, but more, I could, I could really see Morgan taking a step uh, back and letting Madison be the leader. Uh, I just see that in his personality. He likes to lead by example more than words. Madison, we have seen, is willing to do whatever it takes to protect her family and those that she cares about. That was her main theme throughout all the first uh, four seasons of the show before she supposedly died. So it's going to be a very interesting dynamic if she does come back and after the Virginia story does wrap up, uh, you know, and we're left with Madison and Morgan at the end of that story, who is actually going to step up and become the leader? You know, it's just we just got to wait and find out. Want to welcome Jamie Joe on Instagram. It's good to see you back, Jamie Joe. We haven't seen you in a little bit. Also want to welcome Thomas on Instagram. Judy. Judy is joining us on Instagram as well. Welcome to all you guys. Uh, Squawking Dad writes, Madison might not be as uh, nuanced as the others. Yeah, well, we'll see. 
Uh, Singer Chick writes, oh my God, I'd love to see an Eminem duo. Madison and Morgan, Eminem. Um, Singer Chick also writes, me too, Viz. Plus, he was always willing to be Rick's right hand. I'm sure he'd do the same for Madison once he saw that he could trust her. And I think he, you know, everybody in the in the group will vouch for um, for Madison, at least those that know her that are still around. Daniel loved her. Strand and her had a good relationship when no one else would go anywhere near Strand. She's the one that saw something in him that no one else did. Uh, and of course, Alicia, her daughter. So they would definitely all vouch for her. But if Madison is back, what kind of Madison are we going to get? She's been gone. Now, they're saying a year. And I just want to clarify that the timeline is not clearly defined. Remember, when we saw them at the beginning of season four, a lot of time had passed. They did a big time jump to synchronize the timelines of The Walking Dead and Fear the Walking Dead so Morgan could cross over. We really do not have, they, they're saying it's been a year. I think it's a lot longer since Madison's supposed death in that stadium. Uh, because when, like I, when we saw season four, the entire story of how she died was told through a flashback. So we really do not have a clear idea as to how long she could be missing. It could be a couple of years. It can be all the way up to six to seven years. No idea. Uh, and I'm leaning more towards the longer time for one reason. Remember, that's where we met Charlie is during those flashbacks. And from the flashbacks to where we actually saw her, you know, at the present time, she did not age that much. So anyway, I'm not going to get too crazy about that. If we start breaking it down too much, we're just going to drive ourselves crazy. And at the end of the day, we're not going to come up with a clear answer anyways. Uh, Squawking Dad writes, should be uh, roughly a year. The events that transpired in season six have taken about three months. Then the events that led all the way back to season four, episode eight, Probably more, but maybe a year. It could be. It could be a year. It could be two. We have no idea. Anyway, uh, some info about the Rick Grimes movie debut. They're talking about the movie debut. I would just like news on when they're going to start filming. Uh, forget the debut. <laughs> when are they going to, you know, call action for the first time on the film? The Walking Dead boss hopes it's part of a cinema revival. So basically, Scott Gimple is still hoping that by the time the Rick Grimes movie is ready to come out, it's going to be, you know, go according to the original plan and have a theatrical release. If you guys watched yesterday's episode of Dead Talk Live, I mentioned how Warner Brothers uh, has come up with a, a partnership with HBO Max to release their movies for the year at least for at least for the year 2021 both in a few limited theaters that are deemed safe and for one month on hbo max so what scott gimple is hoping that by the time the rick grimes our movies are ready to be released that things will be back to somewhat normalcy 
and that uh, movies are going to go back to the way they were, theater, and then on to Blu-ray and digital release. Me, personally, I don't know if um, the old way of how movies used to work, coming out to the theater and then being released later on to Blu-ray, I don't know if that's ever coming back. I don't know if this pandemic has forever changed that landscape and these movie studios are going to just have to adjust and uh, come up with new partnerships and a new model on how they release their movies and try to keep revenue the same. That's going to be very, very tricky. Anyway, it goes on to say development on The Walking Dead Rick Grimes spinoff movie is gathering pace with an executive on the show hinting that the movie starring British star Andrew Lincoln could arrive later in 2021. Wow. I would, I'm surprised they're willing to go as far as giving uh, even a year. Lincoln left the central role of Grimes on the post-apocalyptic AMC TV show in 2018, but the door was left wide open for a return when Grimes and uh, Anne Jadis, played by Pollyanna McIntosh, were taken away by the CRM helicopter in Season 9. Producers later revealed they had plans for a Rick Grimes movie trilogy. The Walking Dead's chief content officer, Scott Gimple, revealed to Hollywood Reporter that he was working on it with Lincoln and The Walking Dead co-creator, Robert Kirkman. Not only that, but Gimple added the horizon looked brighter for the cinema industry and he hoped that people will be piling into cinemas by the end of next summer. I don't know, kind of wishful thinking. Uh, we hope to be part of it, he said. The Rick Grimes story overlaps The Walking Dead World Beyond, whose mythology in the upcoming season two clearly touches on the Rick Grimes movies. And I've been saying this all along, that World Beyond was made specifically as a lead-in to the Rick Grimes movies to give us information that really can't be given on The Walking Dead or Fear that we need going in to watch those Rick Grimes movies. He added, I'm not at all saying that the Rick, that Rick is going to be hanging out where Hope and her father are in season two. This is not going to happen, but you are going to see places that who knows Rick might have been or at least find out about the civilization that he is now entangled with. Gimple said they were uh, very much moving forward with the first of the movies. That doesn't really say much. What does moving forward mean? We've been hearing that for a while now, that stuff is progressing. I want to wait and find out, like I said, when they're actually on the set and they start filming the thing. Uh, we have a whole bunch of people cranking away on it, he said. It's a movie. Movies are different. Movies go through a very different process than television. I'm confident at the end of the day, it's going to be something special. And he's right. He's absolutely right. Movies are extremely different than TV shows. Uh, TV shows are a much faster pace. For a 90-minute, two-hour movie, I would say the average time to shoot, from what I've been hearing, could be anywhere between three to five months. 
depending on the length of the movie, how involved it is. That's just for shooting. And then you have the whole post-production uh, process that needs to take place. So, yeah, is it possible? Well, yeah, if they start filming relatively soon, it could be a Christmas release 2021. It's possible, but they would have to start filming very, very soon. And from what he's saying, they're not at that point yet. Gimple said the film and TV industry was about to face a very tough winter, adding, but as we move toward the spring, we're talking about things potentially getting better in a permanent way. Again, I think that's... I hope so too, but anyway. I would hope that come... I hope that come uh, the end of next summer... People are piling into movie theaters again and laughing until they're screaming together, eating popcorn together, and that we are once more enjoying each other's company in front of a huge screen with awesome things happening on it. We hope to be a part of it. So what do you guys think of that? Do you think uh, if you had to place bets, would you place a bet that we are going to see the Rick Grimes movie one year from now. Let's say, you know, he's talking about fall 2021. Uh, I think that's kind of unrealistic. Uh, how many of you guys think that we're going to see the Rick Grimes movies like in a year from now? I don't. I I hope. I Damn. I mean, I'm like all you guys. I'm on, I'm on pins and needles for it. Uh, but now uh, Jamie Joe's giving us a smiley left face. We missed you too, Jamie. It's good to have you back. Uh, Darshan is with us on uh, Instagram as well. So, TB Edits on YouTube writes, I hope so. Singer Chick writes, Nope, not at least until summer 2022. Uh, Squawking Dead writes, It's doable though if they start filming very soon. The development writing, I believe, is actually done. Well, they've had a lot of time for development and writing. If they're still working on the script, then damn. I mean, they've had time. The writers don't need to gather. They can work virtually to put the script together. You know what I'm saying? So uh, the script should be done. Uh, over the summer, we were talking about on how they're using this time during you know this pandemic to really uh, tighten up and make the script even better. But if they're still working on the script, there's no way we're going to see that movie at the end of 2021. Anyway, next thing on the list, this is a little bit lighthearted, some Walking Dead cameos that we might have missed. Okay, these are basically where the stars have uh, appeared in other... Uh, movies or tv shows now chris hardwick before the walking dead hit in 2010 produced some of the best viewership numbers in cable tv history how many of you guys knew that zombie entertainment was probably seen was primarily seen as a niche fair enjoyed by only a relatively small segment of the population sure everyone knew what zombies were but only the dedicated fans could offer opinions on Night of the Living Dead or discuss finer points of Reanimator, which is a great movie. Zombies were, in other words, for nerds. 
but those much maligned individuals enjoyed a big moment in the early 2010s. Of course, a huge part of that is the uh, release of The Walking Dead. Uh, Chris Hardwick, who is a comedian uh, and uh, an avowed nerd, in fact, he has a very popular, uh, I believe it's a podcast, and it's called The Nerdist, very popular, has uh, just launched his popular Nerdist podcast, the first brick and media empire that caters to people like himself at the time when The Walking Dead returned for its highly anticipated second season in 2011, new episodes were followed by Talking Dead on Talking Dead cast and crew from The Walking Dead and special celebrity guests gathered to talk about the episode that had just aired. Um, the whole endeavor is hosted by the always enthusiastic and proudly nerdy Hardwick. Those two shows collided and Hardwick earned himself a major thrill when in 2019, Hardwick made a brief, hard-to-spot appearance on The Walking Dead. I didn't know that. I didn't know that he had a cameo on The Walking Dead. Near the end of the episode called Scars, a walker tries to attack Judith. The zombie is none other than Chris Hardwick, who achieved in that moment the peak zombie nerdum. And yeah, that's a word that came up. Nerd dumb. <laughs> anyway, uh, just scrolling through this list. Greg Nicotero. We know that he served many. He loves putting on the makeup of a walker. Uh, from season one through present day. Any chance he can put on that makeup to become a zombie, he is going to jump at it. And then, of course, we have the whole Johnny Depp head. That they use a cast of his head. When they're trying to come up with a Gregory, uh, what's the best word to use? When they were trying to show that Gregory had been killed on Negan's orders, uh, and they found a whole bunch of walkers that looked like Gregory. That's the scene where Rick picks up the walker head and just starts punching the crap out of it to make its nose look broken like Gregory's nose was broken. I don't know if you guys remember that or not. Uh, let's see, uh, TB edits, right? He was a zombie. Uh, the new podcast is called ID 10 T. I heard of that. I actually heard of that new podcast. Uh, squawking dead also writes. He played a Walker before, by the way, earlier in the series. Uh, we've had a lot of, uh, there've actually been a lot of cast members who, Early on, uh, one that comes to mind is Joshua Michael, who played Jared. I believe when he was on the show here with us, he told us that he played a walker. I believe it was in season two when the barn was on fire. And then later on in season seven, he got casted as Jared, the savior, working for Negan and Gavin. So a lot of these actors did start out as being walkers, extras, before they got a bigger role, a talking role on the show. Anyway, uh, let's get started on tonight's topic. I love tonight's topic, all right? So tonight, we are going to be talking about famous on-screen psychopaths. Um, 
And before we get started on that, just to give you a brief layman definition on the term psychopath, it is really used uh, incorrectly a lot of the times. And we've also heard the term sociopath. And psychopath and sociopath are a lot of times used interchangeably. They are very similar, but there is a kind of a big difference between them. Uh, so let's start with a psychopath uh, called psychopathy. Uh, a person who suffers from psychopathy, who is a psychopath, absolutely has no conscience whatsoever. They lack the ability to feel fear, love, hate, that part of the brain that has emotions, that can tell right from wrong, is dead. It, it's dark. It does not work. There is no treatment. There is no treatment. In fact, it has been shown in studies that if a psychopath or a sociopath gets put into uh, treatment to try to work through it and try to develop empathy or sympathy, what it does is it makes them worse because they, it teaches them better how to game the, the system. And it actually teaches them uh, different ways to manipulate rather than curing them and trying to show them how what, you know, their actions might be hurting another person. Um, so anyway, uh, a socio, so that's a psychopath. A sociopath is very similar, except they actually do have a little bit of a conscience. Uh, that's what separates sociopaths from psychopaths. Sociopaths do have a little bit of a conscience. They do know right from wrong. But again, where it gets muddied is just because they do know right from wrong, that lack of feeling the emotions profoundly has no effect. So what that means is, even though if they, if they know something is wrong, that little voice that most of us have in our heads that say, you know, this is wrong, don't do it, they disregard that because the filter is not strong enough from them to stop their impulses. So that's a little just brief uh, definition. Now today, the terms psychopath and sociopaths are not really used in the medical community. They have grouped them all together in what is today called antisocial personality disorders. Now for me, I hate that term when it comes to describing psychopaths and sociopaths. If you're going to call them people that suffer from antisocial personality disorders, I don't know about you guys watching, but for me, when I'm thinking of an antisocial personality disorder, I think of somebody who is extremely shy. <laughs> That's where my mind goes to. Not someone who's a psychopath or a sociopath or a narcissist or anything like that. And that's why I don't like them putting them all under this one umbrella 
of antisocial personality disorders. Uh, Khaleesi writes, or like me, I'm an introvert. No, introverts are not included in that. Introvert, no, no. A lot of people are introverted. That that doesn't fall under the umbrella of antisocial personality disorders. I'm a homebody. You can call me a hermit. I don't, I like, I'm a homebody. I like staying at home. That's what you kind of think of like antisocial personality disorders, but it's not. You know, I'm a homebody, but I, you could, I'm obviously very social. Anyway, there was this great movie that I bet very little, if any of you guys have heard of it, it came out in 2018 and it's called The House That Jack Built. It is available again on Hulu for streaming and it stars Matt Dillon. And if you really truly want to see how a psychopath behaves, you got to watch this movie. Again, it's called The House That Jack Built. Matt Dillon stars as a bona fide psychopath. And there's a great, I'm not going to spoil it for you, but there's a great scene in that movie where next to his bathroom mirror, he has pictures of people displaying various emotions and he's trying to learn how to mimic them. For example, shock. He has a picture uh, on his wall of what a shocked expression should look like. And you see him in the mirror practicing that expression. It's a great movie. Again, The House That Jack Built. If you guys, if you guys have Hulu, uh, I know I recommended another movie earlier, Welcome to Mercy. If you watch that and you have some more time, watch The House That Jack Built. It's an amazing movie. Very underrated. And Matt Dillon, you know, he's a, he's a legend. Matt Dillon is a legend. He's an amazing, amazing actor. Now, since we're talking about personality disorders, how many of you guys out there uh, have seen the movie Split? And its sequel, which is uh, called... What's the sequel? The sequel is called... Uh, Shoot, I have it written down here and I can't find it. Uh, anyway, the movie Split stars James McAvoy, you know, prof the young Professor X, very famous guy. Split is a great movie about somebody who suffers from uh, split personalities. That's what it used to be called. It used to be called split personality where you would have another personality that is within your conscience that would show up. Now, the term split personality does not exist anymore. Now it's called dissociative identity disorder. That's fine. That's a good name for what it is. It's an identity. It's a personality that comes out whenever it wants and it completely takes over. Anyway, going back to the movie Split... If you haven't watched it, again, I'm going to recommend it. It's a great movie. It stars James McAvoy. And this poor guy has not one, you know, separate personality living inside his own personality. But he has a whole horde of personalities. Well over 30 of them. 
And the movie, the original movie, before they combined a sequel, uh, they combined two movies to make the sequel. They combined Unbreakable and Split to make the sequel. Now, Unbreakable stars Bruce Willis, who sort of is like a superhero. He has, um, he can't get hurt. And it also stars opposite of him is Samuel Jackson. And they bring Bruce Willis, Samuel Jackson, and James McAvoy together for the uh, sequel, which is, uh, uh, Khaleesi says it's called Shattered Glass. Isn't it Broken Glass? Uh, it might, I don't know if it's Shattered Glass or, or Glass or Broken Glass. It's glass. Anyway, it's glass. And that stars all three of the actors that I just mentioned. But anyway, it just goes into these personality uh, disorders. Dissociative identity disorder, DID, does not fall under the umbrella of antisocial personality disorders. But I'm just pointing it out as a great movie if you are interested in uh, a movie that has a, a one man with 30 plus distinct personalities. Bruce Willis in the sequel uh, plays a man who can't get hurt. He is a superhero. And then you have Samuel Jackson, who is the antagonist. Samuel, Samuel Jackson's character suffers from uh, a disorder to where his bones break extremely easily. You can just touch him and a bone can break. So I wanted to point that out. Singer Chick writes a whole football team, cheerleaders and coaching staff to boot. A whole bunch. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, let's see. Uh, uh, Saz writes, it's a good film, but DID is not like that. Of course it's not like that. You take these movies and of course it's movies. They're going to take a condition and they are going to really, you know, make it Hollywood. They're going to really, you know, exaggerate a condition. So let's go over some of the other famous uh, psychopaths that we have seen throughout the years in various different movies. Now, this is going way back, but how many of you guys out there have seen the 1992 Basic Instinct starring Sharon Stone? Now, this is a case of a female psychopath who is a murderer and manipulates the police, gets away with murder. Uh, and what makes this movie so unique when it comes to psychopaths is that both in real life and in the movies, female psychopaths are rare as opposed to male psychopaths. But... Sharon Stone, 1992, Basic Instinct, is what propelled her to super, super stardom. And that movie was a classic, as CeCe Wheezy just said, and it, it was a sleeper box office hit. Now, let's go back even further uh, to Michael Douglas's Gordon Gecko, Wall Street. Uh I wouldn't blame you guys if you guys haven't watched it. Wall Street is not a horror movie. It's not a horror movie. But it's a classic example of a sociopath. A nar more, you know, I would say more of a narcissist. But he is a psychopath. He doesn't care who he hurts. 
in the process to basically increasing his wealth. Now, down the list, of course, you go into Stephen King's Misery, played by Kathy Bates, uh, Oscar winner Kathy Bates for the role that she played. It's based on the Stephen King's novel of the same name. It tells about a fan who abducts her favorite author for killing a character from her favorite novel. And that's an understatement. The woman is obsessed with the character of Misery in the book and who she kidnaps the author from. Uh, Kathy Bates won an Oscar for her portrayal of a cunning and vicious Annie Wilkes. Her character is the textbook description of a psychopath, perfectly sane and rational while having no hang-ups about torturing the person that she is calling, sorry, the person that she is holding captive. So, scrolling down this list, uh, let's talk about the Saw movies, okay? And uh, the first in the series of uh, consecutive movies uh, was the first one, Saw, which was brilliant. Two men awake in a room, chained to their feet, with two hacksaws and a corpse right between them for company. Uh, how many of you guys out there have not seen any of the Saw movies? Because, again, great. I mean, yeah, it got a little silly as the sequels went on. And the last one in the series in particular was really bad. Not all the sequels are bad, but of course the original is by far the best one. So anyway, they wake up in a room. They don't know how they got there. They're chained by their feet in this like old, dirty, nasty bathroom. And there's a dead corpse between them. The catch, one has to escape the room while the other has to kill him in exchange of his family. So it's Jigsaw. That's, this is the start of the famous serial killer, Jigsaw, and how he loves to play tricks and games on people who he sees as not appreciating life the way they're supposed to. So he puts them through a living hell where they basically have to mutilate themselves and the one that makes it out alive comes out with a new sense of life and purpose. And that's his twisted, psychotic, psychopath way of healing those who he deems are mentally sick and not enjoying life. Now, another great movie, and it features two psychopaths. And uh, Woody Harrelson is, and that is Natural Born Killers. Uh, another great movie, 1994. Now, if you look closely enough, you could spot the word controversy hidden in the title of this film, which is Natural Born Killer. It instantly runs into trouble because of its plot of a murderous couple going on a killing spree that there are violent, graphic, even gut-churning in an instance or two, and their sensualization by the media owing its obsession with crime as easily marketable material. 
The film therefore works as satire, a crime-fueled saga, or even a romance, if you want to look at it that way, with a murder backdrop. Uh, Like I said, um, the screenplay was written by the genius Quentin Tarantino. It stars Woody Harrelson, and he's part of a duo that they're both psychopaths that go on a killing spree. And it's it's gory. It's filmed beautifully. It's very artsy in some of its scenes. So I don't want to spoil it if you guys have not watched it. But that is a must watch if you're into those kind of movies. And you really want to see uh, how psychopaths operate. Especially if they're in a team. A team of two of them. Now I think we can all agree on this next one. The Joker, the Batman villain, the Joker, who had no other purpose in the world but just to watch it burn. And my favorite, the Joker has been portrayed by a lot of different actors over the years. But for me, you know, Chris Nolan's Joker was by far the best, played by Heath Ledger. He won a posthumous actor, a posthumous Oscar for the role uh, in which Heath Ledger to me there. I mean, when I remember when it was announced that Heath Ledger was going to be taking on the role of, of the Joker. I'm like, really? They couldn't find anyone better. But oh, my God, was I wrong? Were a lot of people wrong? A lot of people got that one wrong because he did it brilliantly. It goes on to say, well, this, though, does not qualify directly to be on the list. But how can you leave out the Joker, the greatest villain of all times, the master manipulator, the agent of chaos? Everything he told, everything he did had a reason. And you know what? He made sense, too. When the chips are down, the so-called civilized people will be eating each other away. That is his quote from the Batman, the Dark Knight. The late Heath Ledger made the character immortal. There's no other way to put it. He really did make it immortal. And moving on, uh, Cape Fear, played by Robert De Niro. Another classic right there. Robert De Niro is a legendary actor. Uh, There is no role that he cannot play. Uh, I know a lot of you have probably not watched Cape Fear. It's not one of those really popular must-watch horror movies that you will find on a normal list. But just to give you a little rundown on the movie, what would you do if a crazy psychopath crosses your path? Robert De Niro, as the the despicable Max Cady, became everyone's nightmare. Cape Fear is one of the most memorable appearances of De Niro, where his act of psychopath rapist, driven by a hatred towards Nick Nolte's, become a force to reckon with. One of the greatest actors unfurl one of his most memorable acts. After all, he's the do-right man, isn't he? And also, Taxi Driver, okay? 
this is going way back to 1976. I just we're almost out of time, but I do want to leave it off with this last uh, character. I really hope you guys have seen the movie Seven, okay, with Brad Pitt, Morgan Freeman, and Kevin Spacey. Wow, I mean, I think it's one of my top. I would put it as one of my top ten favorite horror movies of all time. Uh, it's a psychological horror movie. Uh, well, without me spoiling it, let me just read what it says. Says seven as if its premise wasn't interesting enough, had a finale so devastating and shocking, it drained one as a viewer. We never get to find out Kevin Spacey's real name, who is the main antagonist in the show, so he's called by the name John Doe. John Doe was the textbook definition of a psychopath turned serial killer, but the horrendousness of his actions transcended either if you've ever seen the film you know that uh, the mo of murderers were the seven cardinal sins basically the movie and the title seven uh, the seven cardinal sins is his serial killing he killed everyone who he saw as being one of the seven deadly sins and I'm not going to spoil it for you because if you guys have not watched it yet, I really want you to be surprised. It has one of the most uh, twisted, fantastic shock endings you will ever see in a movie. Like The Sixth Sense and how that blew us away with its ending. Seven beats that and how you just never see it coming. And then, of course, they have Psycho listed. And that's the 1960s Psycho, the Alfred Hitchcock, the character Norman Bates, played brilliantly by Anthony Perkins. Psycho, Anthony Perkins' character, I would not call him a psychopath. He does have emotions. He does have the ability to feel love, hate, and so on. He was just a man who got really screwed up by his mother. And he ended up with uh, taking on her personality. Now, whether you want to call him with a split personality, a lot of people will definitely agree with you that he did suffer from DID, which is Dissociative Identity Disorder. Anyway, guys, we only have a few seconds left. I want to thank you guys so much. XO on Instagram writes, my, my favorite horror movie world war z and xo we talked about that yesterday as we talked about the zombie virus throughout the horror movie genre on yesterday's show anyway guys thank you so much for joining me tonight again this hour just flew by please visit our website deadtalklive.com to see all of our upcoming guests we have three guest interviews coming up next week so please check out our website to see the dates and times for all our interviews coming up next week. Please visit us on YouTube. Our channel's name is called Death Talk Live. We are on sick we are on we are a daily show except for Sundays starting at 9:30 p.m. Eastern. Please go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube channel. 
If you're there right now, please hit the thumbs up button on this broadcast. I'll be back with you guys tomorrow night. And until then, guys, remember, stay walking.